Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, Ben Allen will be continuing our study on the book of Acts. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Hi, everyone. We are back again for another installment from yours truly. This is round four of the Bible Wire podcast. I will be tackling chapters 21 and 22. If you would open up your Bibles to Acts 21, 1 through 16, reading out of the ESV. Verse 1. And when he had, we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara, and having found a ship crossing to Thessalonica, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in sight to Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. From there the ship was to unload its cargo, and having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days, and through the Spirit we were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem." When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. Kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied, and while while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people that there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Manassan of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. All right, so we have quite a geography trivia makings in this chapter. Paul seemed to get this immense pull to go to Jerusalem, no matter what the cost, to finish the race and to complete the task given to him. Acts 21 records the final stages of the journey to the city, which rejected the master and sought to depose his disciple. Within Luke's overall narrative, Paul's journey to Jerusalem works perfectly well within his geographical structure, which centers the entire story on Jerusalem. 
and his prophetic structure, which has all his which has all his heroes following the pattern of the rejected prophet. Uh, uh, and uh, along the way, Paul meets disciples in Tyre and in Caesarea in 7 through 15, who express genuine concern for his well-being. They are moved by revelations by, from the Holy Spirit about the danger that lies ahead for Paul. Uh, so I'd encourage you, if you have the time to track all the parallels between Paul and Jesus, it's quite striking when you start to notice it. The, there's there's widespread respect for Paul, and it's indicated by the attention he receives from figures associated from the mission in his, its early days. Philip, the evangelist, Agabus, the prophet, and Nansen, an early disciple in verse 16. Their attention and support balance the ambiguous reception of Paul in Jerusalem, where Paul is welcomed gladly, but then is informed of widespread suspicion among Jewish Christians. In uh, Peterson's commentary, he says, issues of divine guidance and how to respond to warnings about impending imprisonment are raised and are finally resolved by Paul's determination to face the inevitable suffering. To readers who may be faced with the necessity to suffer for Christ's sake, in a variety of situations, the response of Paul's colleagues and friends is a challenging model. The Lord's will be done. Paul is confident that uh, that was the end of quote, by the way. Pa- Paul is confident that that God is leading him to Jerusalem. At the same time, other Christians are equally confident that God has not called Paul to Jerusalem. So, what do we do when we hear conflicting voices concerning the will of God? Well, let's consider the perspectives on Paul's decision and draw some practical guidance from following for following Jesus. All right, so first, let's consider four views on Paul's resolution to go to Jerusalem. First, Paul's perspective. Paul is in a hurry. Luke uses phrases like, the next day, another boat, and we boarded another ship to tell us about this stage of the journey. The apostle is moving quickly because he wants to be in Jerusalem by Pentecost. Even though he knows it will involve suffering, he is determined to give a loving love offering from the Gentile Uh, churches to the Jerusalem church and to testify there about the gospel of the grace of God. Paul doesn't care about the danger. He cares about obeying God's will, regardless the cost. Okay. That's Paul's perspective. What's the perspective of the Christians entire? It says they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul uh, didn't heed their counsel, uh, however, but, um, you know, how do we reconcile this text with the previous text about the spirit leading Paul to Jerusalem? Let's get another perspective. The Christians in Caesarea, it says, um, as Paul stays with Philip, he meets the prophet Agabus, who gives Paul an object lesson in the tradition of the Old Testament prophets. So... First Kings eleven twenty nine. <laughs> Sorry. First Kings eleven twenty nine through thirty uh two, Isaiah twenty verses two through six, and another object lesson tradition we can find in the Old Testament is Jeremiah thirteen, one through eleven. Agabus uh took Paul's long belt, normally wrapped several times around the waist, and tied up his hands and feet with it. 
Then the prophet predicted that the Jews would tie Paul up and deliver him over to the Gentiles. Though Agabus didn't forbid him from going to Jerusalem, he did warn Paul of the events to come. Following this dire prediction, the concerned saints in Caesarea, like the saints in Tyre, urged Paul not to go to the city. But their counsel also proved fruitless. Paul wouldn't be deterred. And then finally, let's look at uh, the perspective of Luke. Luke uh, included himself in the dissenting number. His presence is denoted by this we references again throughout this passage, as well as uh, other parts of the book. And apparently Luke also pleaded with Paul to change his plans. But after Paul rejected these pleas too, the disciples surrendered. The Christians respected their brothers, uh, beloved brothers, uh, beloved leaders' firm conviction. Commentators have pointed out how the apostles' submission to God's will sounds a lot like Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. Jesus didn't look forward to the suffering on the cross, but he submitted to the Father's plan for it by saying, not my will, but yours be done. Paul's deep anguish expressed in verse 13 has caused some to say that this moment was Paul's Gethsemane. What should we make of these various perspectives? Some have tried to argue that Paul was being disobedient in growing, going to Jerusalem. Luke, however, believed that Paul was right in going to Jerusalem, as indicated by the references to the Spirit in 1921 and 20, verse 22. The Spirit led Paul to make the decision to go to Jerusalem, and he also provided the compulsion to go. Furthermore, Luke clearly sees Paul as following his Lord's footsteps. What do we make of that then when we get to verses 4 through 11? with these references to the spirit. There's a, there's a commentator named Stott's explanation. He says, we should draw a distinction between a prediction and a prohibition. Agabus simply predicted what would happen. The conclusions Paul's friends made on that information were infallible. They were human deductions. All of us, excuse me, they weren't infallible. <laughs> Let me say that again. I'm sorry. Agabus simply predicted what would happen. The conclusions Paul's friends made based on that information weren't infallible. They were human deductions. All of this then helps us understand 21 verse 4. It's probably best to take Luke's statement as a condensed way of saying that the warning was divine while the urging was human. Sometimes we get a, a, a prophetic word or something like that, and, and we think that we, we have the revelation, we have the interpretation, we have the application, and the delivering of the word is just fine. Well, sometimes we get the revelation, we don't get the interpretation, and we don't get the application, and we don't deliver it well. We have to seek God in all four of these matters in real life, in our today world. This is the application that we could take from, from reading this scripture verse. The Spirit, after all, uh, the Spirit's word to Paul combined the compulsion to go with a warning of the consequences. Paul's decision should be admired. 
It's a difficult decision, but such is the cost of following Jesus. We can understand the dissenting voices these people loved Paul. They were well-intended. And I'm sure a lot of people who have a prophetic word are well-meaning. But they are fallible. And so we need to be mindful of that whenever we give prophetic words. This is why uh, examining should be done. Weighing of the words, right? Testing of prophetic words are required. When they are considered the inevitable suffering, when, when uh, excuse me, Paul's friends considered the inevitable suffering that awaited Paul, they naturally urged him to choose another path. Indeed, it's not difficult to see the parallels between the journeys to Jerusalem made by Paul and his Savior. In a pivotal point, Luke's gospel, Paul's loyal friend says that Jesus determined to journey to Jerusalem. Luke later mentions this dire destination frequently. And prior to the cross, Jesus told the disciples that he would be handed over to the Gentiles. It says uh, in Luke 18, 31-33, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked insulted, spit on, and after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will raise on the third day. Because of these foretellings, foretold sufferings, Peter, like the Christians in Acts 21, tried to persuade Jesus to avoid such pains. But the Savior marched on. Praise God that he did. Now we, like Paul, must follow in our Master's footsteps wherever he leads in the strength he provides, and keeping our eyes fixed on him. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.